0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com.
1: Alrighty, welcome back to the Stateside Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. We have Mike D'Amelia, who works as a videographer, photographer, Mostly in the music space, um, he's photographed some of the largest bands and artists that you have ever heard of. And if you go to his website, uh, we'll get more into that later. But if you check out his portfolio, it's, it's pretty extensive and quite impressive. And he's also worked a lot with one of the producers I manage, Alan Day, and his band For Your Strong. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Mike Camelia. Thanks for having me, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's good to be here.
1: Yeah. So, where are you located right now?
0: Uh, I live in a town called Haverhill, Massachusetts. It's about 45 minutes north of Boston, right on the border of New Hampshire. I was born and raised here. I've been here pretty much my whole life. So, it's a it's a good little town.
1: How close is that to Worcester? It's about an hour,
0: so not too far from the four-year strong guys. Um, Alan lives in like. The middle of nowhere Uh, i forget the exact name of the town but it's like an hour and a half Uh, but whenever i go down there they usually let me like crash at one of their houses they have like nice guest spots so they're good friends to have been really great working with them
1: that's awesome yeah i I adore alan i don't really know the band very well just through working with alan but oddly enough (laughs) it's funny i i always tell alan that four year strong is one of like the bands i listen to pretty frequently and and he i i it's it's just so surreal that it's alan day from four Year strong but i talked to him every day in like this producer manager capacity and i i assured him i was like no like i listen to your band it's sure <laughs> that i talk to you on the phone all the time and we have this different business relationship and then 2020 spotify did the like what did you listen to the most rundown and Four Year Strong was like the top three bands I listened to the most.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I have that moment a lot, too, because I kind of got into the music industry a little late. I'm 31 years old, and I kind of broke in when I was, I think I was like 26. So before that, I was a elementary school phys ed teacher, believe it or not. Uh, that's what I went to college for, and my whole life was, you know, obsessed with, music played in pop punk bands, you know, grew up worshiping blink 182 and saves the day and and stuff like that. So up until I was like 26, you have that, you know, that feeling of the, you know, these rock stars, right. And you, you idolize them for different reasons. And then getting in with, I got in with my band, the band was called Astronoid. And then I kind of switched over to doing crew and media and stuff. And there is that moment where, you get really comfortable with a band um, and you're essentially roommates with them for months at a time. And then they become your friends. And then you kind of forget that you once, you know, really idolized these guys, <laughs> you know what I mean? From like an outsider's perspective. And I, I tell people all the time, the, the craziest thing is like, you just look at them as your friends and your roommates. Right. And then they get on stage and they start, performing and you're like oh my gosh you like almost forget how talented they are until they get up there and it is very surreal especially with four years strong too i mean my sister and i we listened to that band a ton when i was like in my early 20s and so i i have that moment all the time where she brings it up where she's like i can't believe you're working for them you know so it is life is really strange
1: (laughs) it is indeed strange mike I mean, I, I have these moments all the time. I mean, I, similar to you, I have a being a band guy history. You know, I played drums in a rock band most of my life from the time I was, you know, 11, 12, or something like that, all the way well through my 20s. I'm 30, how old am I? I'm 37. So I stopped playing like for real in bands right around 34, I want to say, something like that. And, um, yeah, I mean, similar to you, I just kind of found my niche in this thing. And I, I know, I, I knew that I wanted to stay in music. I know I knew that I wanted to pursue this in like a, a career fashion, but I, I was, you know, I was just tired of sleeping on floors and being, I was tired of being tired. <laughs> and, um, so I'm really lucky that I found my, my corner of this thing and, and talking to people like you who are part of music and part of, quote, the industry, but aren't a performer. You're not an artist yourself. I mean, you are an artist, but not a musician in that capacity. And we're all part of the same club. We all have our, our, our role in this thing. And so it's really exciting for me to talk to people that are just outside of the, what people might think of as uh, the music industry. So it's really exciting to talk to people like you and and I'm really curious to hear how you've carved out an actual path for yourself.
0: yeah, well, uh, man, I couldn't agree more. it It's one of those things when I stop and think about it, it kind of freaks me out a little bit, blows my mind because it, you know, there is always a little bit of luck involved in just meeting the right person at the right time. But yeah, it was kind of a similar story for me. I mean, we had all that. I can't remember if I mentioned the name of the band already or not, but uh, the band was Astronoid. And we had that definitely had that like overnight success where like things just popped off on the internet when we came out with our first full length. And I went from teaching elementary school phys ed to watching all of all of these um, blogs pop up and like, you know, metal injection and metal sucks, like talking about our album and um, just just overnight, we got a manager, we got one of the best booking agents in the industry. And then I quit my job and we started going on these crazy tours. But it was, you know, being 26, 27 at the time, I was seeing very clearly how much work and how many years go into it to get to a point where you can just make like a good living off of it and i was like a a very good performer but i wasn't a good musician if that makes sense like i didn't write any of the songs and i worked really hard to be able to play in Astronaut. it was very technical music but i just never understood music and didn't consider myself an artist so i was kind of dealing with those personal struggles where i was like well what happens if the band ends tomorrow and I put all these years into it? Like, I'm not going to go home and teach guitar lessons. You know, I'm not, that's not who I am. And then, so I started. And another thing too was the best thing about being in the band was I just felt really good about being part of a team, you know, kind of being in the background and putting out on stage and helping with planning and stuff like that. So like seeing crew members going on tour with these bands that were in buses and had like five different crew members and seeing how much the band appreciated the crew members and how much of a difference they made that kind of, I was like, Oh, well I can do something like photography and videography and make really decent money at it more than you make as like a band member, honestly. Um, And if touring ends, which ironically it kind of did, I can take, I can have something that I can take home with me. And do something. So uh, this has kind of been long winded, but essentially what happened is I met someone, uh, his name was Stosh Robel, and he works for bands like um, Periphery, Pliny, who's an artist that I work for. And I just told him, I was like, hey, I would really like to give this a shot. And um, I had two and a half years professional touring under my belt. And he essentially pitched me to the band intervals and the contortionist. And that was my first tour. And it was pretty wild. I mean, they really gave me a shot. I didn't even have a proper portfolio. And when I stop and think about it, I'm like, I had no business being on that tour, but they, I don't know, they gave me the chance and intervals kept having me come back and that's where I really got to like hone in my skills and learn and just keep getting more practice. And then all of a sudden I'm on tour with Memphis Mayfire and as I lay dying and, um, Years strong, you know, it's just, it happens so fast. It's like you get a tour and then someone hears about you and then you're going on another tour. And it seemed to, it seems like it wasn't that long of a stretch, but it just, it was fast, you know? takes one person to give you a shot.
1: That's so exciting. What a what a cool story and I think, you know, there there's a few lessons and then I have a question. So, a few of the the lessons I kind of heard out of that story is a finding something that you you don't just enjoy to do, but something that you like I think I can be good at this. That's 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 first thing and that's really important. Because like you mentioned you were a proficient guitar player, you learned technical parts, you worked hard at it, you knew your role, but you also knew deep down in your heart, you know, like, I'm not writing, I I don't know how far I can take this. And if touring stops, where am I? So you, you kind of, you, you found your way. So that's, that's really important. And then secondly, you decided, instead of sitting on that feeling of I don't belong here and I have no right to be here. And you you sort of jokingly said that, but I can tell what you really meant was I just want an opportunity. And you started to ask and you leaned on a friend and then your friend went to bat for you and then intervals believed in you. And by the way, what a great band to go on the road with. I can't think of a more entrepreneurial leader of a band. I can't think of a more like self-managed. I mean, I know he has a manager, but he's also really embedded in what they do. And from the merch and the designs of the merch, the dates, the type of venues, he's like part of the crew. And that was probably a really big blessing for you to have your first experience as a pro music photographer. For all those tours you went on, how are you, I guess how are you making money? Like do, are they are they hiring you as like a contractor photographer for the tour or are you there paying your own way? Like a lot of people have to especially when they first start and then you put together a portfolio and then you live off that. Like so how ha- how does that work professionally and realistically as a photographer?
0: Yeah, well that's a really great question because I think it's important for some people that are either try mostly for people that are trying to make it as crew members and just to go off what you're saying you're absolutely right about Aaron Marshall and intervals I got so lucky uh and his manager Rich Fernandez is probably the most genuine professional I've ever met and uh has become a really dear friend of mine someone who I really trust and um Aaron just like he lets everyone do their thing he trusts everyone in that band and He wants to focus on writing and performing and he off like he offloads parts of his brain. You know, he doesn't want to think about what kind of media he wants to put out. He saw what I did for the first time and was just like, yes, do that. I trust you. And that was a really great opportunity for me to be creative and kind of figure it out, figure out what my strengths were. To answer your question, when I was doing Astronoid, I mean, our guarantee was very low and I I don't, I feel like it's kind of um, in bad taste to talk about how much, you know, Astronoid was making, how much I was making, but I can kind of get into that. So the the band, the guarantee was very, very low. And so we don't with, there were five members in the band and all the money goes back into the band. So essentially you'll hear some people call it eating shit. So you want to like make money off of touring. You have to eat shit for a couple of years. And if you're going to eat shit as a photographer or someone that wants to sell merch or a driver, you know, you do tours for free. So essentially, and, and while you're doing those tours for free, you're meeting people, you're getting your portfolio together. So I didn't eat shit as a photographer, Um, because my first official gig was paid, but I wasn't, I did two and a half years on the road in a van and trailer with Astronoid meeting people and we got on good tours. And then essentially what happens is a band will typically pay you for, they'll ask for a weekly rate. Some bands will do a day rate and they don't pay you on days off it depends on the budget of the bands but I always do a weekly rate and um, some of the bands want like live music videos after the tour too so I'll do the tour and then I have all this footage and then you ask for set amount of money after the tour to put this video an extra video together and it just so happened that I would go on a really long tour, have about a month off and then bang out a video and get a decent amount of money for it and then go on another tour. Um, so yeah, you're essentially a contractor. Yeah. I guess like, you know, if, if anyone's listening to this, who wants to like get into it as a photographer and you kind of already have a portfolio, usually what I tell people is is you find like a really good tour and you Try to hit up the opening band and they're not going to have any money. Their guarantee is probably going to be like $150 a night, believe it or not. If it's a big tour and you're going to meet people, you can offer to do the tour for free and then use that time to shoot the band you're working for and then shoot the other bands, you know. Um, I I, I hope I answered your question there. I I have a tendency to go all over the place.
1: You answered more than my question. I, I think that's great. I I think. There's something in there that I think is an important lesson for anyone listening that wants to do what you're doing, or wants to do what I'm doing, or wants to be in a band, or wants to start a podcast or a YouTube channel. If you're an actor or start a business, it doesn't matter. This is the problem with being an entrepreneur, or being in a band, doing your own thing: is that there's a, a a circle, an evil circle. It's like you need you need credibility and experience to to get somewhere. Like to get on a tour as a photographer, people are going to go, well, what have you done? What have you shot? Let's what have you done? And you go, that's the whole point. I, I need to start. I, I believe that I can do this. I just needed a, a chance. And they're like, well, you don't have no experience. Come back to us when you can. And you're like, but I, I can't get experience until I get experience and you just keep going around. So for me, the lesson, and I think this is the secret to why you successfully became a paid photographer and people actually decided to bring you on tour. Because you weren't just some slouch off the couch you you paid your dues in the band prior, like you said, all those tours with your band where you're shaking hands, meeting people, meeting people from the road, crew members, other bands, managers, labels, all that stuff, you're doing that so that something can happen later and you you don't want to be that like conniving and you know um, thought out or anything but You know, like I'll give you an example. There's, there's a podcast I listen to called Smartless. Have you heard of that podcast? I haven't. No. It's a podcast with Jason Bateman, the actor from like uh, Arrested Development and some other big stuff, and Will Arnett, also from Arrested Development. I forget the guy's name, Jamie something. He's he's been in a bunch of stuff. The point being, they're all well-known actors and comedians, and then they. During the lockdown, they're like, <laughs> We're not acting, nothing's going on, we're gonna start a podcast. And within like, you know, week two, they already have sponsors, they have a ton <laughs> of followers, you know, and I, I do a podcast and I'm lucky if you know, two people listen to the goddamn show. And that's that's because I, I don't I didn't come from something super big prior. And and I can sit here and be like, Well, how come I don't have a bunch of that that's not fair. These guys just come out of nowhere. It must be nice to be a celebrity. It's like, whoa, 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 hold on. That's such a shitty way of thinking. Jason Bateman has been acting from the time he was five years old. All of these guys paid their goddamn dues for so long leading up to that podcast. So it would actually be lunacy if their podcast didn't do well. So that, I mean, that's kind of my point. And it's, I also am going off on a tangent, but that's that's kind of how I see people like you, me, Alan Day, anyone that's doing what they're doing. They didn't just arrive here out of thin air. They've been doing this forever. Four Year Strong has been in a band together since they were like 13 or 14. It's crazy how long they've been a band. So for you to be picked up and trusted from some of these artists to go out on the road for the first time, from where I'm standing and just hearing your story, it's not out of nowhere. It's not just, oh, let's trust this kid. We'll bring him on. He seems like a good guy. It's like, no, he he's one of us. And it's very clear that he's been in the trenches for a long time. So let's see what he can do with this other art form.
0: It's still kind of a tough pill for me to swallow because even with Asteroid, like, I mean, I maybe did like a, you know, a, I'm doing air quotations, but like a four day tour before I, I did anything with Asteroid And all of a sudden, like, just overnight, we were on professional tours. So like, I didn't, it's, I don't know, I am grateful, but uh, it's, it's a weird thing to to process sometimes, you know, because it just happens so fast. But no, you are right, though. And, and you mentioned something about, you know, like networking and stuff and like, shaking hands, but you do, it is important to be genuine, because people will know when you aren't. And it's such a huge thing. You know, some people will say that it's like 70% personality, 30% talent. I don't know what the percentage is, but one of the most important things for these bands is that you can sit in a bus with them, you know, every day for 45 days and not drive them crazy. You know, like they're, they're going to be hanging out with you. The whole time and if it doesn't matter if you're like a really amazing photographer if you're a pain in the ass or like you get drunk and cause a scene all the time or you're just obnoxious like they're you're not going to get asked to come back so um being able to get along with them and, and it's also important too. like I do I would say videography is more my specialty and I do a lot of like i guess like documentary work and vlogs and stuff and i try to get very raw moments from the band where it seems like they're talking to the viewer um i'm not big on like formal stuff but to be able to get that kind of emotion or authenticity from the band member you it's like kind of you build a relationship with them where they trust you and they're comfortable talking to you in that setting so if you do want to get into like documentary or like vlogging or whatever with bands, it's the personality is really important. You have to uh, make them feel comfortable. So it's all it all ties in together for sure. You know?
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and kind of double down on your comment about being a good hang in the room. Like you you have to be able to be in a small van or a bus for weeks on end and not drive people crazy. And I think that's that <laughs> Dude, from where I, I'm standing, that is a huge portion of being a music producer. That's a huge portion of your success. You know, no longer are the days of the 1970s rock days or or prior even, where you were the one guy in town that had a studio. You know, it, it used to be something where, like, it, it, was, it was scarce to be a music producer. You had to invest in hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in gear and you know, I had a study and an apprentice forever, an internship, and all that stuff before you could ever produce a record. And look, there's a lot of benefit to that. I mean, nowadays every kid with a MacBook Pro and, and Pro Tools thinks that they're a producer. It's like, no, no, you're not. You you have a MacBook Pro and Pro Tools. <laughs> so I think, you know, I can see the barrier to entry. It kind of filters out the dorks. It filters out people that aren't in this to win this. But I think um you know, just kind of staying true to why you're there. And again, like you said, people are going to be able to sniff out the, the like the intention you have. If all you're doing is shaking hands and and hanging out with people so that you can get somewhere else, it's not going to work. You need to be present in the moment. If you play in a band, be in that band. Be dedicated to being a member of that band and doing your job at that moment. Don't don't think this could lead to something else down the road or. Or if you're working at a job, and just be of value to anyone in the moment. Because that is truly how beautiful things happen down the road. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm happy to say that this episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a service that musicians use to put music into online stores and streaming services. These include iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon... Deezer, Tidal, even TikTok, and many, many more. With DistroKid, you can quickly and easily distribute your music for as little as $19.99 a year. And check this out. You keep 100% of your earnings, and you get unlimited uploads for one yearly fee. And to make things even easier, you can split the earnings between you and your bandmates, so when that pesky little bass player of yours gives you a hard time about not giving him his share, tell him to relax and say, DistroKid's got this. So do yourself a favor and get started today. Go to distrokid.com forward slash VIP forward slash stateside and get 7% off your first year's membership. If you go to mike.demelia. D-E-M-E-L-L-I-A on Instagram. You can follow Mike. Check out his work. There's a link to his website, uh, MikeDemelia.com. I mean, there, there's some really... I wanted to say, like, your, um, your style with color and clarity, the saturation isn't overdone. Like, this picture... Nurgle. Of, um, that's Behemoth. How do you pronounce it? Uh, beh- behemoth. Behemoth. Rad totally, I he's going through something right now, isn't he? This guy, I, he might be, he yep. might be, I'm like uh, a lawsuit or something with this guy, anyway. Doesn't matter. That's a look at that picture, man. That is killer. Thank you. Is this as I lay dying? This one, it is. That's Tim, yeah. That shot from behind with the, the crowd and all the lights pointing towards your perspective, so you get a picture of this massive lead singer, <laughs> the crowd looking back. That is a killer shot, man, which is funny. I actually manage Josh Gilbert now, the bass player of LA Dying. Him and his studio partner, Joseph McQueen. That's that's killer, man. Good old boy, Alan, right here. I've used some of these pictures, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. That's awesome. Yeah, this one is just killer. So when you do video stuff, because I know you helped for your strong with their live holiday special. Is that something you want to do more of? And also, have you done a lot of music video work?
0: That's a great question,
1: because I'm always
0: asking myself what the right thing to focus on is. And I was actually just talking to my partner about that today, because there's so many avenues that you can go with photography and videography. I've realized that if there is something already planned out like an event or a concert where all the lights are happening or someone is going to do something. My biggest strength is documenting something that is already happening and kind of showing people who want to see what happens, like editing it together in the most interesting way possible where they feel like they're a fly on the wall. So that's something I would love to do like a proper documentary. Um, Music videos aren't really my thing. And I I think that's just the way that my brain works where maybe, maybe down the road, I'll kind of get into it a little bit more and learn some stuff about it. I'm sure I could handle being a DP on set. But Yeah, like planning out like a studio shoot, like music video shoot where like I'm building a set and like planning out a script and stuff. It's just, I don't, my brain isn't kind of, it's not wired in that way. As far as like my career at home, I'm trying to do, I started getting into like wedding videos and stuff like that, which might not be interesting to people listening to this. But I found that like doing the style that I do on tour the kind of like documentary style, like really raw conversations. It's just my strength. So that's been my focus. I kind of realized with intervals that that's what I should be doing instead of trying to do the super, the super edits with after effects and stuff. It's something I want to get into, but it's just not a strength of mine. And we saw the most success when I was just showing everyone at home, what was happening on tour
1: behind the scenes. Um, why do you think your strength lies in sort of being a fly on the wall and showing showing the audience at home what you're seeing in person? Why do you think that is?
0: I really don't know, James. <laughs> I I just I started doing it naturally. It was kind of one of those things where you know you see like I it was always confusing to me like seeing someone play guitar, or write an album or a painter just fucking paint something amazing. And you're like, how? Do you do it? And they just go, oh, well, I don't know. It just comes to me. And I'm like, well, what's in their head when they're doing that, you know, and with I'm not comparing myself to an amazing painter or like, you know, a Grammy award winning artist or anything like that. But when I'm putting like these vlogs together, these like kind of mini documentaries, when I'm just editing it, it just makes sense to me. And it's kind of that hard pill to swallow when like someone tells you how great it is. And you're like, well, there wasn't a lot of mental effort into putting this together. So it can't be that good. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because I feel like I didn't have to strain my brain too hard to do this. It just, I think it comes from my like watching tons of movies or documentaries growing up. And you just have those things that you don't realize that you retained on how something should be laid out. And I think too, just getting the band comfortable with you. Like one of my techniques that I use is I I always have the camera on and I make sure that when I'm filming someone and asking them a question, I talk to them the same way that I would if the camera was off. So essentially when they're talking to the camera, they're actually just having a conversation with me. And because I still have that, like, you know, it wasn't too long ago where I was just living a normal life, didn't know any like professional musicians. I can still tap into that, you know, Mike in his mid twenties, who still like, would, what would I want to ask this person as a fan? And like, sure enough, most of the bands that I've been working for, I was a fan of them. So it's, I think it's just a combination of that stuff. And um, I guess the last thing I'll add is just, I feel like some people like that as far as like tour documentaries and vlogs, you see all the same shit over and over again. It's like, you know, the guy's about to go on stage or like them on stage playing and, you know, like think of like James Hetfield. I'm sure there are people that would love to just be a fly on the wall and see what James talks about to someone when no one else is in the room. So like sometimes like as LA dying is a perfect example. Um, There were times when we did our India and Asia vlogs where like I would put moments in there where it's like Nick and Josh just having a conversation about something completely random for 30 seconds. And I remember Nick just saying like, oh, well, why do you have that in there? That seems kind of boring. And I was like, well, it's boring to you, but I feel like it adds something to it. You know, just seeing you guys talk about nothing and you don't know that I'm filming you at the time. That this was happening.
1: I agree 100%. When I watch band documentaries, tour vlogs, anything like that, a documentary, I want to know... I always talk to the guys I manage about this. And especially, and I'll get back to your thing, but producers have a really bad habit of talking about the how. They constantly talk about gear and what compressor they use and how they mix this kick drum and That's interesting to like 10 people. They don't know it because their entire peer base is people who are dorks like them and want to hear about audio all day. Now, to the people that want to work with them, the artists, the singer, the writer, the creative, they want to hear about the why. And I think it's the same thing with bands. I couldn't agree more that Josh and Nick from As I Lay talking about some random thing is far more captivating and you know profound to me than like going over the set list and uh, it's just all the same shit you hear time and time and time again in all their interviews what was the influence for making this record and why have... no it's just like the same thing over and over and over so i think it takes a real talent not just to pick up on that conversation but to also filter it through not just you, cause you in real time are observing this thing happening, but then you also have to use your camera and get in a way and run it through the filter of people behind you, the audience, being able to pick up on what you, the guy in the room are picking up on. So that, that takes a lot of layering and fore, foresight to, to kind of, to know ahead of time. Like I gotta jump in here and make sure I'm, I'm documenting this moment in this way a without ruining the moment (laughs) to make it still seem authentic so all those strategies you just talked about are super helpful always have the camera going always communicate with the band the same way don't be the okay now the camera's on guy and then now i'm mic when the camera's off that's a recipe for disaster so yeah i want to just kind of commend you for for focusing on all the ancillary stuff that maybe the band doesn't think is interesting. The subject doesn't think is interesting, but I assure you we, the audience do.
0: Oh, I appreciate that, man. It's kind of honestly, like when I'm doing these videos, it's like, sometimes if you think about who's going to be watching them or possibly how many people are going to watch the video, it you'll get very stressed out. So what um, I kind of like selfishly do these videos for myself And for the band members as well, where it's like I treat it as like um, I've had a a colleague of mine refer to my videos as like cinematic home movies. And I kind of realize it's kind of accurate because I'm doing this to 20 years from now. When I look back on these or the band members look back on them, I just want them to like enjoy watching it. And, you know, we're doing crazy shit <laughs> in the sense of like where you guys are picking up your guitar and you're going to India to yeah. play for people like that's pretty wild you know maybe not wild to them they've been doing it forever but to me that's pretty crazy and like <laughs> years from now I want to you know maybe show some family members that are just like revisit visit it and so that's kind of what I go for it's just you know are the band and myself going to be happy watching this down the road as like a little memory, you
1: know? Absolutely. Now, as far as the, as I lay dying stuff, I'm not sure if I was aware of this. I'm going to share the screen with you once more here real quick. Is this your stuff?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we did a, a bunch of them. So this is the shaped by fire European tour. And we, I think we did like four, maybe five vlogs for that. And this was, one of the first times i was doing longer format stuff and it was a little rough i changed they came out great the band was very happy with them and they were well received but it wasn't until asia where i kind of really honed in on style far as my the way i was filming it my editing the even the picture profile i was filming in but yeah we did um it was just i don't know that that's one of the reasons why they hired me and obviously they have a really wide history and um it was a little nerve-wracking going into working with them but just seemed like a really good opportunity to have like an unbiased point of view of what was going on in that band and um I think they saw that, too, because it was just, here's what it looks like backstage and when they're traveling, because there were a lot of people that were curious, you know?
1: And I, I got to say, I've watched those vlogs. That that tour, so that's 2019, that's when I first met Josh Gilbert. I met him at a small music conference called URM Summit, and um. We did a podcast in a hallway together, and that's how I met him. And then so that whole year, we were just talking. You know, he was really trying to do more producing and mixing. And we were talking about management stuff for like a year, like a le- legit year. And then they played the Wonder Ballroom uh, here in Portland, Oregon, which I, you were on the tour at that point, right? Because you just did the European. No, um,
0: I think if it was at their first tour back... Is uh, it their first U.S. tour? Uh, probably not. If actually, I think Randy Edwards is on that tour. He's another another great shout out. Randy Edwards. He's the reason why I discovered I want to do this. He's amazing. But um, no, I was not on that
1: tour. Um. Well, we're we're approaching the end of this thing. Let's start landing this podcast slowly and gently. Uh, a couple more questions for you, Mike. Now that touring is no longer a thing at the moment. It will, God willing, soon for the love of God. But for now, we're all at home still and the stupid pandemic just won't seemingly go away. Um what what's kind of your your tips and recommendations to an an up and coming photographer, videographer, someone that wants to do what you've done and you know, let's face it, a lot of the work that you're a part of, even I, I mean, I'm lucky that I manage producers and mix engineers that don't need touring life to really do their job. But it still affects even our corner of the music industry. Um, half the friends, I, I, half of my friends either work for bands, touring bands, or are part of the crew, you know, the lighting director, the tour manager, the merch guy, or they're in the band themselves. I mean, that's literally like half of my friends and um so yeah i think i think people listening would love to hear like what you think they should be doing because this past year has been difficult is not strong enough of a word and i think you know people that want to take photos and do video with with live touring bands and artists they're in a tough spot right now um so anyway I'll, i'll let you i'll let you take the floor what do you think they should do
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a really great, great question. And one of the last podcasts I did, they, they asked something similar and I wasn't prepared for it. And I thought about it a lot since then. And obviously there are the obvious answers, right? Hone in on your skills, you know, touring isn't an option right now, but I think that, um, The main thing is like, don't put your eggs all in one basket. The guys, especially with the way music is set up now, I mean, a lot of these successful bands, I mean, you look at a band as big as Mastodon, right? I guess that's a, we can use them as an example. The, uh, I, I, one of the guitarists was talking about how, you know, like he supplements his income with like real estate stuff, you know, um, So I guess, you know, like always have other things that you're working on as like a backup plan. But I think the thing that's really great about videography and photography is like you can very easily do it at home. And that's something that I've been working on is getting more weddings, working for smaller businesses and stuff like that. So I can keep doing this, you know. Um, But don't try to don't like I said, don't put all your eggs in one basket, like have other things that you're working on, just like think realistically. And obviously to it goes without saying like practice your craft and when touring gets back up, you know, shoot shows. Um, I, I hope that was a good answer, you know, but
1: that's that's more than a good answer. I think it's, it's a practical answer too. And I think the not putting your eggs in one basket is so important. And it's not just like a, I'm your parent telling you not just to put your eggs on one basket, have plan B and C. It's not that it's.
0: No, totally, totally not. It's because that does sound like I've heard people say that before. And it's like, Oh, what, you think I can't do it? It's like, no, 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 you can totally do it. But one of the things that kind of saved me um, from, completely not hitting rock bottom throughout my professional, like music industry career was always having a little something, whether it was like a part-time job or saving up some money, Um, you know, okay, well, if I blow it in this, like, I know I can go to this. So just planning, um, having backup plans and just little safety nets along the
1: way. It's also about being a diverse multi-talented person. You know, I, I have very little interest. If if you're to tell me all you get to do now is run stateside management and manage producers, I wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't do it. I, I need other things to do. That's why I, I do two podcasts. I do stateside podcasts, more music entrepreneurship type of conversation based then i do a goofball podcast with my sister and my wife where we talk about all things disney and how much we love disneyland i have a fucking mickey mouse tattoo i'm a lunatic for look at my room it's all disney everywhere and like that's just a a passion that i can't explain how much we love it We're, we're lunatics for disneyland history and um so we do that like you know and it makes us a couple bucks on the side very little money but you know a little bit and we're, we're starting a little t-shirt company to kind of promote that fandom and people that love the Disney parks and that, that history. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of like, that's how I get through the day. I don't want to just do one thing. And I've tried it, man. It ruined my life. <laughs> when, when I, all I did was like, I'm a rock guy, a band band guy forever. You know, push, push girlfriend aside, push family aside. I'm just going to disappear for eight months out of the year and it didn't work man i got news for you that's a <laughs> bad, bad way to live and when you're young and dumb you think that that's that's how you make it man like you don't want a plan b cuz you'll never make plan a happen it's like that yeah. is the dumbest way to think it's not about it's not about having plan b so that plan b doesn't happen it's having plan b c d e f g so that you're a diverse person so that your plan a is the best plan a possible that's what it's about
0: right and you know if um because there might be little dips right you might have an upward trajectory but there's always going to be little dips on the graph and if you don't have you know a little safety net or something that little dip could totally derail your trajectory you know but if you have that, those little things to fall back on, that's what's gonna keep you afloat for your main plan, which is, you know, if it's music industry stuff to keep going up, if that makes sense, (laughs) you know? So, um, that's kind of what I did. I always had like little things to fall back on when there was a dip. And then I keep getting the opportunities to kind of progress. So,
1: um, I think, To kind of expand on this, you know, if you want to be a photographer or a videographer or you want to play in a band or whatever it is you want to do, don't get so narrowed in on the one thing you do. So, like, if I'm a drummer in a band, yeah, you need to be a really good drummer. You need to play to a click track. You need to know your chops. But then also, like, what else can you do in music? Maybe scoring for film is something you should be doing. Or maybe you know, learning how to play a different instrument or different styles of music, or maybe starting a YouTube channel where you do covers of songs so that that can promote an audience and, and bring in some money and all those sort of things. Like for example, I have a friend who also loved doing video work, mostly video stuff, less photography. And when he didn't have any work, he would just go and like get drone footage or just uh steady cam shots of oregon because we live in portland so just like beautiful scenery and then he'd put like a minus the bear song to it in the background and he, just for his own thing you'd show us and like really cool transitions and he would just practice his editing chops you know f- uh transitioning into different clips and he would just do stupid shit like that all the time he had an aquarium that he would pour like different thickness of liquids in to make it look like like a tool video you know and there was camera all uptight to the aquarium And he was like 16 when he was doing all that. And that's there was no reason for him to do it other than just practice. He just wanted to get a camera, run around, get some footage, add some cinematic vibe to it, learn how to edit. Instead of waiting for that, I am a client and I hired you to do this thing. Like, no, go and practice. Go fumble around for a long time. And I think that this whole space when there's not touring and quote the world is shut down. The truth is the world is not shut down. There is parts of society that are shut down, but you still have your own independence to go out and practice. You still have your own, you know, um, freedom to to practice the thing that you want to be good at, and you can do that in many ways. So I I, I think you're spot on to to encourage a diverse you know, plan A, B, C, D, and, and don't just get bogged down in one thing.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks, man. I, I, I totally agree. It's just, it seems like the right way to go about it,
1: you know? Yeah, man. Well, uh, what are you most excited about when things do get back to a quote sense of normalcy? Geez, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, all
0: of it, you know, i I miss, I miss my tour family and, um, just, who knows what normal will look like, but I, I do miss being on the road. And one of the I think one of the best things about touring is like that sense of like checking off boxes and like going to all of these places in such a short amount of time and the accomplishment you the sense of yeah, accomplishment that you feel when you finish a tour, you know? Um and just shooting shows again. <laughs> yeah, I, I do miss it.
1: Are you optimistic about the future for for live music and touring?
0: Honestly, James, I don't know what to think anymore. So to go back off of what we were talking about (laughs) just 10 seconds ago, I think it would be foolish for me to fully think that things will get back to normal and bands will have the same amount of money that they once had and shows will be the same sizes and stuff like that. So I'm planning for the worst. I don't want the worst to happen, but I am heavily focusing on building my business and brand at home just in case it doesn't happen. And I try not to might sound foolish to some people, but I try not to think about it and just, you know, I don't know what to think anymore, but I'm hoping for sure, you know,
1: it's it's a fair way to think, Mike. I I also don't know what to think anymore. I mean, I every time I've gotten my hopes up about things; it, it seemingly just goes away. But I here I will say this: I also don't really know what to think. But I I am definitely hopeful for the future because I think we will find a renaissance in live music in people wanting to travel, explore, having real human experiences. I think that's why you know, in 2019 Disneyland for example had like record numbers and record interest in from well all people that you wouldn't expect. You know, people that didn't grow up with Disney, don't give a shit about the movies, they just like the park. Because I think it's very Instagrammable, right? It's a very social media heavy place. There's, there's a lot of jealousy invoked of like taking a picture in front of the castle or a tag of a ride that you're gonna, about to go crush. That's all a very modern way of traveling. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I think when things are safe to open up again and people do have a couple bucks in their pocket again, people are going to go hog fucking wild, man. It's the roaring 20s like we've never seen. That's what Totally. I'm- and
0: I, I think I should have uh, elaborated on that. I'm not so much worried about people wanting to, I'm not worried about people wanting to get back to shows. I think everyone's going to get back. I, I'm, I guess my deep concerns are regulations and how many people are going to be allowed into shows and stuff like that. You know, so who knows, but when the first like full concert pops off, whatever it is, I'm sure it's going to be insane.
1: I agree. I agree. All right, man. Well, let's uh, let these people go. <laughs> Where can they find you? Um, you can check out my website, mikedemelia.com,
0: And I'm on Instagram at Mike And you can find a lot of my vlogs on my website that we talked about. And um, there's some music videos up there as well. And feel free to give me a follow. If any photographers want to talk shop or, you know, I'll, want me to elaborate on some of the things we talked about here? I love talking about this stuff, so feel free to reach out to me on Instagram.
1: Mike, a lot of young artists and bands follow this podcast as well. If they if they wanted to hire someone like you, is that the best way for them to find you? Is through your website or Instagram?
0: Instagram, email for sure, absolutely. Alrighty,
1: well, dude, I've wanted to talk to you for for a long time now, so why not do it with a recording and a way to publish it (laughs) we talk these days uh but yeah i do appreciate your time mike you're a killer dude and alan day speaks very highly of you and if he if he vouches for someone then i i definitely well
0: thanks so much for having me man and have me back when you get when you if you run out of
1: guests i'd love to talk more and i really appreciate it all right i appreciate you man well have a good rest of your day man appreciate it all right you too yeah bye-bye